So this afternoon, again, we are studying what Scripture teaches about our confession that we believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. To guide us in this, we will be looking at Lord's Day 9 of the Heidelberg Catechism. So let us now read together Lord's Day 9. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth? That the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that is in them, and who still upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ, his Son, my God and my Father. In him I trust so completely as to have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. And will also turn to my good whatever adversity he sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God, and willing also as a faithful Father. As far as the reading of our confession. Loved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the minds of many children, there's absolutely no one in the entire world as strong as their own dad. That's why on elementary school playgrounds, you may hear from time to time, uh, my dad can beat up your dad, or my dad is stronger than your dad. I certainly heard that on the playground when I was growing up. You know, I have a vivid memory from when I was a young boy uh, in my backyard, watching my own father kick a soccer ball straight up into the air. Well, let me tell you, in my mind, there was no one in the entire world who could kick a soccer ball higher than my dad. So that's the way it is with many young children and their fathers. But no matter how old we are, we can and we should all have this type of awe uh, when it comes to our Heavenly Father and our Almighty God. There's nothing and no one stronger than God is. His power is unmatched. His greatness unsearchable. His majesty is unrivaled by anyone and anything. So today we come to the first article of the Apostles' Creed, which is a summary of the Gospel of Christ. And here we confess I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And this afternoon, as we study these things, we want to see the the awesome power of our God, especially in how he created and sustains the world. But we also want to see something else. We want to see how this Almighty God has become our loving and faithful Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. And truly, this is what makes him worthy of all of our awe, our devotion, our trust, and our worship. So that brings us to the sermon theme, which is this. The Almighty Creator of heaven and earth is my God and my Father. We have two points along with that theme. First of all, I praise God for his almighty power. And second, I trust God because he is my faithful Father. So God's power is so vividly seen through creation. You know, just look at this world around us and can't help but stand in awe of God. 
Everything we see on, earth, on the earth, whether it's the trees, mountains, stars, sun, moon, you name it, created simply by an act of God's will. Everything made out of nothing. God gave the command of the earth and everything in it came into being. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And as we confess in Lord's Day 9, the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth and all that, he created out of nothing heaven and earth and all that is in them. It's the pure power of God, a power that we cannot fully comprehend. We see that also in our reading from Psalm 104. Psalm which praises God for his creative power. We sang together with the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. This is our God. We praise God who created us. We praise him. We know where we came from. We came from the, the power of our creator. We are not the product of blind, chaotic forces. We are not the result of random mutations and natural selection. We are not living a purposeless existence that has no meaning. No, we were designed in wisdom. We were designed by God's power. and We were put together by him. He has formed us for such a beautiful purpose to praise God and to glorify him with our whole being. The Westminster Shorter Catechism put it so well when it says, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why God made us, and we can do that. And this reality, this truth, shapes our worldview profoundly, how we look at the world. God is the almighty creator of heaven and earth. He made this world by his wisdom. And he has infused this world with good order. This forms the foundation for doing science. When we engage in scientific study, we are in essence uncovering the order and design God has already placed in creation. Because God created the world, we expect there to be design and order in nature. That's also why we can describe uh, phenomenon such as natural laws. Natural laws are a way of describing the order which God created and sustains the universe all the time. And the creation of the world by God forms also the foundation for our ethics, what is right and wrong. So we always aim to live as God created us to live. God designed and created life. It belongs to him. So that means we can't just take away the life of another person when it's convenient for us. God created life. He only has the authority to take it away. God also created human sexuality. 
And that too is his marvelous design. It's a wonderful design of God and a beautiful gift from God. God has a beautiful design for human sexuality. And so we follow that design in how he created the world. Well, there's more to this. God not only created the world, but at all times, at every moment, he sustains it. Every single atom of this building, every single atom in the, in the universe is sustained by God's power at every moment. And as we look at the world, then we should praise God for how he does sustain it. Think of what we read in Psalm 104. There it says, You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their, th- their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. And it goes on and on, describing how God just marvelously sustains uh, creation. Feeds the animals, makes the plants grow, guides the sun and the moon through the heavens, and he sustains our lives also. Everything we have comes from him. And we get to enjoy that every day. As we look around us in creation, we get to enjoy it to God's glory. And we get to stand in awe of God as well. You know, when I first made this sermon for my own congregation, uh, there was a great example of this. I know it happened uh, quite a while ago, but still a great example. At that time, a large volcano erupted underwater near the island of Tonga in the South Pacific. Perhaps you remember that. Perhaps you remember seeing a satellite imagery of that eruption. Well, the volcano spewed out masses, massive amounts of ash and rock from underneath the water, sending it 20 kilometers into the air. And quite, quite stunning. And again, images of the eruption were, were captured by satellites. A tsunami alerts were issued all over the Pacific Ocean. And uh, believe it or not, apparently the sound of the shock wave could be heard as far away as the Yukon in Canada. And some Yukon residents woke up to a loud sonic boom and, and shaking homes. And that's from a volcano that erupted uh, well over 10,000 kilometers away. So just the awesome power unleashed in one eruption. And it shows us God's power. But the amazing part is, is that's just a fraction of God's power. Like it's nothing compared to the power of God himself. God could do far greater things than that. You know, I love it how children often stand of God's power. One of my younger children always wants to ask, like, how strong is God again? And you tell him again and again, but he wants to hear it again. You stand amazed at how God can can do anything that he wants to. But as we grow older, I fear that we often lose that sense of awe of God. Learn to see the world through the eyes of a child again. See them for the first time. Remember, your God is at work. His power is on display all around you. And this creation is not only meant to point us to the power of God, but also his goodness. His goodness. 
Think of all the things you get to enjoy on this earth. And we can enjoy God himself through his creation. It's because it's God himself who's sustaining all things, even the things we enjoy. As Lord St. Nine puts it, God not only created heaven and earth, he also upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence. And so that means that everything that we lawfully enjoy in this creation is actually an enjoyment of God himself. And that's because God is the source of life in all created things. And so God is the ultimate source of every enjoyable thing that we like to do here on earth. And there's so many things you might take delight in. Maybe music, sports, food and drink, exploring creation, doing artwork, fishing, camping, you name it. It's all meant to increase our delight in Almighty God. And so remember that. Remember to thank God for his gifts. And you know what? Perhaps we don't enjoy God's creation enough. Now, you might wonder about me saying that. Maybe you think, well, we probably spend too much time enjoying creation, not enough time building God's kingdom. And there's perhaps something to that. The Lord Jesus calls us to a life of cross-bearing and self-denial. But even still, every day we have opportunities to enjoy creation to the glory of God. And I fear that so often we enjoy them mindlessly, without thinking, without thinking about God who, who gives them. Instead, let it be our aim to enjoy them purposefully, with intent, intent to enjoy God himself, the giver of all things. I'll give you a small example. If you like drinking coffee in the morning, you know, don't just drink it mindlessly because you like coffee or just need to wake me up. Enjoy it intentionally. Enjoy it intensely as a gift from God. Thank God for something as simple as that. And as you enjoy its taste, let it indeed point you to the goodness of God who gives it that taste. And that goes with not just coffee, but anything in life. Right? Praise God for it. Enjoy it to his glory. We see something of this in Psalm 104 where it says, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. It's because of words like this, John Calvin once described creation as the theater of God's glory, God's glory displayed all around us. And so he wrote, There is not one blade of grass, there is no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice, and to rejoice in God. And so he adds, Let us not be ashamed to take pious delight in the works of God, open and manifest in this most beautiful theater for his glory. And that brings us to our second point. So one of the 
most beautiful benefits of Christ-saving work is that God is not just an almighty creator, but he is now also our loving father. And this is not just God's word, but as a well-known hymn goes, this is my father's world. Lord say 9 describes it like this. The eternal father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who created the world out of nothing, who sustains everything by his providence, is for the sake of Christ his son, my God and my father. This is the change that Christ has brought about for us. By nature, what are we? We are children of wrath, as Ephesians 2 says. But in Christ, now, we are children of God, by God's grace. Been adopted through Christ. Think about all the implications of that. In Christ, we become heirs of God. In Christ, we are part of God's family. In Christ, we are the objects of God's intense love. Think of Psalm 103, which we sang from earlier. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. God has compassion on us, his children. And because these things are supremely true, we can trust in God with all of our heart, no matter what. No matter what. He is our Father in Jesus Christ. And so God's almighty power that we looked at in the first point, It's now also directed towards us in love because we are his children. All that almighty power he has, he directs it towards us by his love and for our good in Jesus Christ. To see this, we can turn to our other reading from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Right? This is why. This is why we can trust our Father. Same God who made heaven and earth is our protector. He never sleeps. It's because he never gets tired. So that means he has his eyes on us every moment of every day, whether we are awake, whether we are asleep. And he will keep our life. This is a reality. Psalm 121 is a reality. For you who believe in Jesus Christ. Now that being said, questions can arise in our minds because of this. Why then, why, why then do we go through difficult things? Why does God let such difficult things happen to his own children? If he's never sleeping, why do I suffer? he's always watching us with his love, 
Why do I go through this pain? You know, in the first point I emphasized that we can have a godly enjoyment of creation. There are many things in this present world that are enjoyable, but there's also many things that are not enjoyable. In fact, that are very difficult and painful. What do we do with that? Well, here, again, is where I encourage you to try, keep on trusting the Lord in Jesus Christ. Lord's Day 9 puts it like this, I trust in my Almighty Father so completely as to have no doubt that He will provide me with everything I need for body and soul and will turn to my good whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. He is able to do so as Almighty God. He is willing also as a faithful father. And notice what we confess here. It doesn't say that God merely lets adversity happen, but that he himself sends it my way. And at first we might think that that sounds terrible, but it's actually really comforting. The adversity I face in this life is not from bad luck or hostile forces outside of God's control. No, it's fully within God's hands, the God who is my loving Father. And I assure you, I assure you a hundred times over, that our loving Father in Jesus Christ has a plan that he's working out in your life. So again, the call goes out, trust your your Heavenly Father. In Him, I trust so completely as to have no doubt He will provide me with all things needed for body and soul. and will turn to my benefit whatever adversity He sends me in this life of sorrow. No, I'm not going to tell you that the suffering you go through is no big deal. Not at all. But I can tell you that Your Father in heaven knows what he is doing. And he sees the entire picture that that we cannot see with such our limited perspective on life. God sees the entire picture. Think for a moment of a very young child with his or her loving parents. Maybe a three-year-old or something like that. And the child often just doesn't understand why his mom and dad do certain things. Why do I have to eat my vegetables? You know, why do they make me go to bed so early? Uh, why do they make me go on long, these long drives? They make the child, the young child, do things that he doesn't like. They might make him go through unwanted experiences. You take the child to church, even if he doesn't want to. And when that happens, the three-year-old often cries loudly. He just doesn't understand that his parents are not harming him, and that's why they're doing, and what they're doing is ultimately for his good. The child would be patient. He would see that these experiences are for the better. Now I know the suffering we go through in life is nowhere near compared to the experience of a three-year-old with the things I mentioned. 
However, it is true in the aspect of trusting the Lord. Right? Little children sometimes don't understand why their parents do certain things that are actually for their good. And if that's true with earthly children and their earthly parents, how much more so is that true with us and our Heavenly Father, whom we cannot even possibly comprehend? You know, if an earthly father or mother can say to their child, my son, my daughter, you might not like this now. You might not understand this now, but wait and see. It will be for your good, I promise. You know, if earthly parents can say that to their children, how much more so can God say that to us? And so, our father says to us, my child, take heart. You may be going through the furnace of affliction and there is pain, but I mean it for your good. Trust my heavenly Father. Look to my almighty power. It will turn out in the end, I promise you. And we will see one day. And so we can also say along with David uh, from another psalm, to quote another psalm, Psalm 131. Where David says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So what is David saying in the psalm? He's saying that there are some things in life that just did not make sense to him. There were times where his heart just cried out for answers from God. But he learned to humble himself. There were some things beyond his ability to understand. Things too great and too marvelous for him. That's what Job had to confess to. So what did David do? He quieted his soul. He grew calm and content, resting in God's fatherly love and faithfulness. And even though God has not fully revealed everything to us, he's still shown us in the Bible why sometimes he does send adversity our way. As a father, he disciplines us that we might share in his holiness. Right? He uses adversity to purify us. When we go through adversity, it often brings the impurities of our faith to the surface. But as we keep trusting in the Lord, those impurities are removed by God. See, God isn't doing some kind of cruel experiment when he sends a pain into our life. No. He's working for our good. He is an eternal plan that he's working out in our lives. And our Almighty Father knows the end from the beginning already. And so on the other side of the adversity he sends, we at times can see how it was for our good. You might have that too. You look back after a time of suffering, you can see, yeah, the Lord used that for my good. At times he uses it to make us depend on him more. As one of the Puritans put it, whatever causes us to pray more is for our good. Maybe we see our weakness and need for God in a deeper way. Maybe God used it to break us of a specific sin. Maybe we learn to see that even if I go through the trouble, 
that trouble, God is powerful enough and he is faithful to see us through. So we learn to trust him more no matter what. So those are some ways we might be able to see how God uses it for our good. And there are other times where we can't see. We might not even see it until we enter eternal glory. But I can assure you again, one day we will see that God was faithful. We will see that he sent all things for our good. But think of it this way. Think of a large summer thunderstorm. After the rainstorm, what do you often see? Well, oftentimes, there's a rainbow there, a symbol of God's promise, right after the flood. When you're in the middle of the storm, you'll never see it. You'll never see it. It's only after the storm has passed. It's the same thing with suffering. When you're in the middle of it, at times it could be impossible to see God's promises, how it could be, how could it work out? But it's often once a storm and storm of suffering is past that we see, yes, God was faithful. He worked that too for my good. And we will all see that in eternal life. Amen. Let us respond to the preaching of God's word by singing Psalm 121, all four stanzas.